hello. Happy Monday. Just another Magnet Monday podcast edition, episode number four. These are all flying by and we're having really great conversations. So thank you all for tuning in each week. We're happy to have you here with us. This is Molly Pat Eyestone with Marketing and Communications at Stormont Vale Health. And of course, I'm here with Carol Perry, Chief Nursing Officer. And we're also with Esperanza Garza today. Hello. Thanks Hi. for having me here today. So you work in the cath lab. Yes. And with Baker University students. Yes. So I do both. I like having my hands on the ground still while also teaching our next generation of nurses. So it's great to do both. And that's very, very important. Yes, absolutely. We got to prepare them for um, healthcare as it's rapidly changing as we've seen in the past three years and just preparing them for what the best parts of nursing are. And I hope I represent that. And all the students are very excited that you're going to be on a podcast. I know. I let them know today. I'm like, I'm going to be on a podcast with Carol Perry. What are you doing today? <laughs> so. I know she did because one of the students told me what I was going to do next. <laughs> so good job. So it's been great. Um, yeah. So we just need to say hello, students. Hi, I hope you're listening. Yes, exactly. I can't offer extra credit for this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe in another lifetime. Okay, so today we're going to be discussing professional practice model. But before we do that, Esperanza, to get started each week, we're going to talk about you your story, great. what you do at Stormont, and what people should know about you. So I'm a nurse. I graduated from Emporia State in 2019 with my bachelor's, and I'm going to be graduating with my master's this May in nursing education. Congratulations. So that's been a great journey. I started off in the ICU at another facility, and I came to the cath lab at Stormont about two years ago, and I've been loving it. There was a big learning curve to it, but there's so much to learn and I really enjoy what I do. But I've transitioned recently to Baker School of Nursing to teach some of the students there and it's been great. But I'm gonna keep my hand in both so I can still remain a competent nurse and I just love what I do. Oh, that's yeah. so awesome <laughs> to hear. What gives you joy in nursing and why do you come back each day? So I come back because I really love the interactions I have with my patients. I love stealing the jokes that they tell me. There's some funny people out there and I hear something new every day, I think. But I also really like being the person that supports them on their worst days. When patients are in the hospital, they lose their control. Everything's happening very quickly and they don't know what's going on because not all of our patients are medical professionals like we are. And so kind of sitting them down, talking them through what's happening and why, and just hearing that relief of being understood and being heard and just trying to brighten their day when things are at their absolute lowest and worst for them is kind of why I keep coming back. Well, we are so lucky to have people like you, Esperanza, to be our caregivers and to be teaching future caregivers as well. That's really great work. So let's just dive right into our conversation topic today. Carol, what is the professional practice model? Professional practice model is a model of several different components, but it really is um, centered around everything that we do is all around the patient and the family. So it's a patient-centered model, and it's inclusive of care transformation, patient experience, workforce, diversity, inclusion, all the things that we know are important from our foundation, Watson's Caring Theory. It's all in the vein of being able to deliver deliver the highest standard of care for the patient and family. So it's a circular model that focuses around patient and family that has a foundation 
for us to function at the highest level of practice that we can. And that is inclusive of professional development model, professional leadership, knowing your role as the care manager, knowing your role as the registered nurse, and going to the highest level of every component while being family-centered, holistic in your approach to caring for every component of the patient and family. And Stormont Vale has a professional practice model. Yes, they do. And at the very, very center of it, in the middle of that big old circular colorful donut is the patient. So that is the center of everything we do. When there's different components like teamwork and respect, those all tie back into what we're doing. So everything that I do is because of that patient. So I'm responsible for a lot of the point of care stuff in the cath lab. And it may seem like a lot of paperwork and a lot to do, but it's important to do because I have to have reliable results for my patient. When I'm teaching my students about new medications or processes or goals of care, it not only is important to their education, but to patient safety. It all comes back to patient-focused care. And so that's the middle of everything of what we do. And would you say that's what patient-focused care means to you? Yeah, absolutely. That it surrounds them? It surrounds them, absolutely. Whether we're having a teamwork building workshop, it's great for to have good relationships with your coworkers, but having that good dynamic with the people you work with ends up benefiting the patient in the end. So again, everything we do, restorative circles, conversations, feedback on just our care or just employee reviews feeds back to the patient too, but also ourselves. So it's great that you can improve yourself and the patient care at the same time. And Carol, what does patient-focused care mean to you? Oh, I don't think I could say it better than Esperanza. (laughs) Patient-focused care is the foundation for which we build everything. And, you know, I'm very intrinsically committed to patient experience, every interaction, every step of the way. And one bad connection can kind of taint the entire patient experience. And I think that when you look at patient experience and you look at the holistic care, the inclusiveness of care, looking to see the differences of who we're caring for, and we do everything we can instead of us saying, this is what you can expect out of us. As nurses, I think we always say, what's important to you and how how do we honor you? That's just a little bit different way of saying something. And that's the foundation for which we were taught from a Watson's caring theory and looking at the holistic part of the patient and family. And when one of us are weak, we're all weak. When one of us are strong, I've said that before, I think it's just that connectedness. And when we trust each other, we respect each other, and we're connected as a team, that patient and family will feel it. They'll feel the highest level of care and they will trust us. And we can decrease that stress and that vulnerability that they feel when they don't have control over what's going on with their health and wellness. And it's hard because when you're in the hospital, I mean, you know that you're here because something's wrong or you need help. You're not here for fun. Exactly. (laughs) So I was reading a great story the other day. I follow a few different healthcare professionals on social media pages. And one of them was sharing a patient story that he had. He I think was a chaplain or something of that sort and heard a patient yelling. And so he had a few options. Go get the nurse. Let them deal with that. That's not the best option. Sometimes we're busy doing other things. Call security. That seems to escalate the situation pretty quickly. Or he had the choice. Let me go in there and see what's going on. So the patient is yelling, is very, very upset, borderline combative. And the first thing he asked him, what can I do for you? What do you need? And the patient just stopped in his tracks, just completely quiet and was just stunned to hear they weren't ready to fight back that patient. They were there to listen and hear what's going on. And the patient said, I just want a hamburger. I just want 
some different food. I feel like I can't eat what I want. I can't do what I want. I just want a greasy, nasty hamburger. <laughs> and so that chaplain went back to that patient's nurse, checked his diet and said, all right, I'm going to run to McDonald's and I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring you a hamburger. And that patient just felt so seen and so heard because it's those small moments, those little things that make that patient feel seen and heard. And so even just asking, what can I do for you? Brings back that holistic care and that patient focused care. I mean, we need to follow diet orders. Not everyone can have a greasy <laughs> hamburger. My post-cath patients, I'm going to tell them, no, please do not do that. I don't want to see you again. But <laughs> it's just those small things that we can do for patients. Absolutely. And it all makes a difference, right? At Stormont Vale, we have the person of the moment, which falls into our small moments culture, which is actually one of the podcast episodes that we'll be releasing towards the end of season one. So stay tuned for that. But we have people that do stuff like that all the time. Yeah. And that goes into the patient-focused care and what it means to care for our community that are here in our care. So that's a really great example of that. Carol, you've referenced Jean Watson several times over the last few episodes, our nursing theorist. Our so. hero. <laughs> <laughs> so why do we care about Jean Watson's theory of caring? You know, that went to, at the time, a Shared Governance Council. We studied several different theorists, and it was chosen by the team to go with Jean Watson's theory, and it was really the component of the holistic care and the curative model and looking at how and wellness instead of as an illness, but where's the patient at and how do we get them to the next level of wellness, no matter where they're at on their continuum of life. So I didn't choose Watson's theory. The shared governance team did, and it was based upon interdisciplinary approach. And I love your example, the story you just told, because it was about the chaplain. It's everyone has a role and we need everyone. So, you know, the, the care delivery model really is interdisciplinary. It's care management. It is using every expertise to come together to deliver the highest level of care for that patient and family. And it takes different experts and takes different levels of care. And, you know, finding out that the individual wanted a greasy hamburger, that's one thing they could take control over. Someone asked them instead of telling them what they needed, they asked them, what can I do? That's a little bit different message. And then followed through, went and got it, worked with the staff to say, hey, a greasy hamburger doesn't make sense for anybody in wellness, but right now that would be comfort food. Can we make that happen? Mm -hmm. And it just made a difference. And that's what holistic care is. That's sometimes bearing from just a strict protocol and saying, how do we individualize care? And that's what we base a care model on is individualized care for each individual. Right. What is a care delivery model? A care delivery model is made up of different protocols and practices and standards of care that we have. And so luckily we have several different committees that branch through all different forms of healthcare professionals, so interdisciplinary care that can kind of feedback and help us guide our practice. So on our practice council, we will review a lot of different policies and procedures. But even though it's made up of nurses, we go back to the experts, we go back to our dietitians, we go back to our radiologic technologists, all those different fields of healthcare professions to get the expert's opinion and their viewpoint as well. So that's really important as well. I think. Yeah. So let's talk about the other key components of the care delivery model as well. You just explained the interdisciplinary mm-hmm. nursing process, care management, and continuity, consistency, comparability of care. Can we kind of talk about all of those different components too? That is the the care delivery model does have all those components mm-hmm. in there. And I think that 
nursing process is a systematic approach. And we are taught that in Nursing 101. And I need to tell you today, I'm far from Nursing 101. But it, <laughs> it, it is absolutely assessment, problem identification, outcomes, planning, implementation, and evaluation. And, you know, this is really good timing because from a senior leadership perspective, and I'm just interjecting this because we're trying to decide how we can better communicate in a succinct fashion from a senior leadership perspective. And Dr. Kanegi, myself, and different team members were talking about using SBAR. And SBAR was a tool that is a simple tool to use for a succinct communication, situation, background, assessment, and plan. And in nursing school in the 80s, that's exactly how I learned to document. And it was concise, it was to the point, it was individualized, and it would give you a picture of what was going on with your patient. And so that is the nursing process, and then continuity, consistency, comparability, all those are important because no matter where the patient's at, they should get the same standard of care for the same diagnosis. So if I'm having dialysis in one area, we talked about that a little earlier, that I should get the same standard of care no matter where I'm at. And that's the process of the practice council. They're looking at those protocols and those policies and those procedures. And really, it's evidence-based practice. And we have a lot of tools, lip and cotton, and different tools to go to. But it is the professional experts at the bedside saying, this is how we should be practicing. This is evidence that we know this is the best practice, and this is how we'll apply it to the population that we're caring for. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think we're even shaping the next generation of nurses to start thinking that way. They are reshaping the NCLEX that's starting, I think it's either already started or starting very, very Mm -hmm. soon. And so we have broken up the way nurses think of recognizing cues on whether something is going wrong. Just, you know, making a plan, reviewing it afterwards, following that nursing assessment model. And then going back to the SBAR, it is a consistent way of giving report, receiving report. I know what I'm going to hear. I know what order I'm going to hear it. I'm checking off all these boxes and making sure all areas of this patient's healthcare stay are being reviewed. And I really encourage my students to use that as well. They'll try and hide it to show that like, oh, this is everything I remember off the top of my head. That's great. I love that you remember those things. This piece of paper is your best friend. Follow it and you will hit every single thing that I need to know about this patient. So consistency of care is really important. So I sit here and as somebody who's not clinical, I'm most times a patient. And so I hear you guys talking about these things and all I'm hearing consistently is that I, as the patient, am number one. Yep. And the model is all directed around the patient, which is very comforting and gives me confidence in the care. So then talk about how we update the professional practice model, because that's important too, as a patient is knowing that, you know, we're keeping up, we're updating, we're improving, we're always moving forward. Absolutely. And one of the biggest things that we've done for that is adding diversity, equity, inclusion to that. We have a huge variety of people in the population here in Topeka, but we also serve other communities as well, whether it's smaller towns or people who are shipped here from other cities because they couldn't fit into that hospital. And I've seen Stormont grow so much with that. We even have a grand rounds coming up called um, Providing Affirmative Care for Trans and Non-Binary Patients. So the goal of that is to help people become more comfortable working with people of that population because it can be a new thing for people working in healthcare to get used to. But at the same time, it's providing that affirmative care. You are seen, you are heard, and you are understood when you're going through this healthcare 
problem that you may have who may feel that they're being looked down upon because of their transgender and non-binary status. So by training our healthcare workers and just everyone in our facility, it doesn't have to just be nurses and doctors, but anyone who wants to go can go to these. And I think that's great. And it definitely leads back to that patient-centered care. You asked me earlier, what brings me joy? Mm-hmm. Esperanza brings me joy. <laughs> Nursing brings me joy. And I couldn't be more proud. Oh, thank and, you. Um, I appreciate and honored that. to be affiliated with you as a registered nurse. Thanks. I, I really appreciate hearing that. <laughs> the one thing I just want to reiterate is that our goal with the professional practice model is to keep promoting wellness. And, you know, in the past, our typical practice model was to treat illness. And we've really expanded throughout continuum of care and we deliver a lot of care in our communities and outside the walls of the acute care that it is to promote wellness and and try to keep people out of the acute care but to look where the patient is at that point and then see where we can promote wellness and then to prevent the acuity or acute need to just automatically have to be hospitalized and see what we can do to wrap services around the patients to keep them out of the hospital and we have some great care managers in the ambulatory environment that that's all they do they they keep in touch and try to monitor people from home and support them to try to stay out and to not just have to wait until they get into that acute care need but stay in a state of wellness and continue to work towards that. I absolutely love that you brought that up because having that primary care versus waiting until people are too sick and end up in the ER or the hospital is so important. And I love that we're putting forward a lot of resources and time and focus into our outpatient centers and clinics to keep patients healthy, well-informed, and even just using apps like MyChart really helps patients know what's going on with themselves, their own bodies, and what their plan is too. Reading those just notes about what their healthcare provider recommends It's just really helpful and helps patients be involved in their own care. So I love that Carol brought that up. Esperanza, I've asked everyone this so far, and I think it's a good one. Magnet visit coming up. Have you been here for a magnet visit? No, I haven't. But I work with Paula, so she's preparing (laughs) me. (laughs) This is perfect for you because I've been asking for people who haven't gone through a visit before, what would be advice to them to prepare, you know, not be nervous, all of these things. What is something that you are communicating about within your teams as you guys prepare for this that you feel like would be great advice? I feel like be proud of what you do. Know that everything I do is backed up by evidence-based practice, councils that review everything that we do, and knowing that as a healthcare professional, you're there for the patient. And I think those accreditation visits really see that, that we are there to support these patients, that we are coming up with all of these new documentation things to support that patient, to prevent cauties, to prevent clabsies. This is all about the patient, and we can see those things every single day being worked on by your fellow nurses, by your leadership, and by just other healthcare professionals too. So just be proud of what you do. Say that I have seen this, I work on this, and I look out for this. I think those are great things that just the everyday healthcare professional can say. That's great. I love that. I do too. Awesome. <laughs> okay, wonderful. There we go again. Episode four. It's in the books. Woo! <laughs> that is the energy that we need. Esperanza, don't you think we should make Molly a nurse? Yeah, I think oh, she'd be fun. I do too. Let's uh, let's enroll her at Baker. Yeah, be one of my students. We'll have fun. Tell my boss. I brought that. them donuts this morning. So. <laughs> oh, perfect. Sign me up. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. This yeah, was awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so be sure to let us know how you're liking this form of communication. That's why we're here. We're here for the nurses and for our team to help you prepare and be knowledgeable as we head into our Magnum visit and just understand how we communicate with each other as well. So next week, episode five, we're diving into the culture of safety. Another obviously very, very important topic. Okay, we're looking forward to that conversation. So we'll talk to you next week. Have a great week. Bye. 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 <laughs>